One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, beautiful mama. Today, I want to share with you the amazing and inspiring Jacinta Tynan. For those in Australia, you might know Jacinta. She is a presenter on Sky News, a columnist and an author of a beautiful book called Mother Zen. About six years ago, she wrote a column, a national column, that caused an absolute outcry here in Australia. She wrote that with her experience of motherhood and her experience of having a newborn son, she didn't find it as hard as everyone said it would be. She shares at the start of this podcast the story around that column, why she wanted to write it and what happened afterwards. But since then, Jacinta has really been almost the face of motherhood at times in Australia, of sharing the journey of meditation and self-care and connection through motherhood, exploring what it means to work and raise children and how we can look after ourselves and be this mother zen. But in this podcast, she really shares how she is growing and how she is having to find her own truth. It's such a great insight. And she starts by sharing with us why she decided to write that column that really catapulted this idea of motherhood being hard or not all those years ago. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host, Amy Taylor Cabaz author, mama to three, and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted to busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying, and realizing that being a mama is the greatest self-development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women as we raise our families. Because when we come together, amazing things happen. So welcome to the movement. When I was pregnant, and even before then, people kept telling me that, and this is what you hear predominantly about motherhood, that it's the hardest job you'll ever do and it's a thankless task. And I think you get really bad press about, about being a mother, more so, I'd say, than being a father. It's, mm. You don't hear many good things about it. And so I was really actually quite terrified about having a baby. And I think that's one of the reasons I put it off as long as I did. I was a geriatric mother officially, so 39, <laughs> with my, when I felt, was pregnant with my first son. And I was terrified about it. So I wasn't one of those mothers that was looking forward to it and getting the nursery ready and buying all the prams. I was in absolute denial about it as much as I wanted to be a mum. Like mm. it, part of me, there was that 
there's that uh, part of your brain that goes, yes, I know I want this up here, but my uh, in my heart probably. But then mm. my head was saying, no, this is going to be really tough, but I better do it because I know I'll be, I can learn later. Mm. And then when he came out, so to speak, after 48 hours of labour and an emergency Caesar, which also I think is connected, by the way, to my resistance, but that's mm-hmm. another subject. So true. When he finally came out, I kept waiting for the sky to fall in. I kept waiting for it to get really hard. And I was just in bliss. It was mm-hmm. I was exhausted. I didn't have any help. But people hear this and think, oh, she must have had nannies. No, I was doing it by myself and all the things you do. And my baby cried like everyone else's and he didn't sleep through the night. But for me, it's just what I needed. Mm-hmm. It's just what I'd been waiting for. And I didn't know that. So I was loving every minute of it. And so I thought being a journalist, you, you write about anomalies <laughs> and it was felt like an anomaly. So I thought I'll share this. It might be an uplifting story on a Sunday morning to inspire other mothers who might feel the same way or ones who don't to to see that they could feel this way. So it was only ever meant to be mm-hmm. an uplifting story. My editor thought it was too. So I didn't expect the reaction I got, which was which was largely negative. Mm, it was huge, wasn't it? At the time, yeah. Thanks for taking taking me back there, Amy, <laughs> and reminding me. Sorry about that. But fast forward, how old is that son now? Jasper is seven. Is seven now. And so in the last seven years, you've really explored this mother zen idea that this can be an enjoyable part of us. I love how you said it was actually what you really needed and didn't realise. I love that. I feel the same way that it's been, yes, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done, but oh my goodness, it is the best thing I've ever done because I've learnt more about myself than I ever would at any other time or in any other opportunity. But you're now in a completely different part of motherhood and you're juggling a very successful career with two boisterous boys and that bubble of newborn, which is just that giving of yourself to these little beautiful creatures, has passed and the lessons are so different, aren't they? So what? where is Mother Zen now? Is she still here? I'm just looking for her. <laughs> it's a very different time, isn't it? You can't mm. even compare those two phases what I think the difference is, is when our babies are babies, they just need us. They just need our presence. And that's what I didn't find so difficult because mm-hmm. that just required us to be present. And it was, a, it was a learning curve. And that's what we say, don't we, that our babies are our greatest teachers. And I had to learn to just be there right now. That's all I had to do. Be there through their pain, through their tears, through the, the, the confusion and the sleeplessness. Just be there. Now it's different because now I find, well, they're people now. Yes. And I feel this overwhelming responsibility for their emotional well-being. Mm. That's the part that I find the hardest. So you've got to be careful how you deal with them. And so then I've had to really step up and start learning about that stuff, which I'm, which I'm trying to do constantly, and check yourself. And I've, I've really stuffed up over time with, with that now that the boys are older but I think we all do, so I'm not going to be hard on myself about that. And also I think children are resilient, and I'm very big too on what they call the repair attempt. And right. that, that also applies for when they're babies, doesn't it? But any stage in our children's lives, if we get it wrong, we go back and say, do you know what? how the way I spoke to you, that was, that was not okay, and mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. And I love that we can do that because adults don't do that enough to each other, do we? And children are amazing where you can actually go back to them I've, you know, I've worked this out days later and say, you know, 
thing I said to you back then on Tuesday. Not that they remember Tuesday, do they? Mm. They never get their days right. Um, <laughs> uh, that was not actually what I meant. What I meant to say was this, and you can reframe it, and that sinks in. Mm. Wouldn't you love to be able to do that with adults? Oh, absolutely. And isn't that a level of vulnerability and courage that it takes to be able to go and admit that to your child. Because as you said, we don't do that as adults. We don't have much practice going back in and saying, look, I just stuffed that up and I'm really sorry about that. Um, Can you forgive me and can I show you what I wish I had said? That takes so much courage and vulnerability that a lot of us really struggle with. We think if we admit we got it wrong, we lose our power. Yes, and we also think that they will then do that. What what we forget, and I forget too all the time, is we are mirroring for them. They're learning everything from us, everything. So it's so ironic, and I, I know I'm guilty of this too, where we say, don't yell as we're yelling. <laughs> don't hit your brother, and someone might slap their child on the wrist yes, or worse. And it's, it's ridiculous, really. It's mm-hmm. quite funny if you think about it. So we have to behave. We have to be the person we want mm-hmm. our children to be. And if we want them to apologise, you know, we do all that, say, say sorry, say sorry to your brother. Mm. Well, let's say sorry to them mm. and show them how to behave. And if I do say to the boys, we're going to try this this week, are you going to do that too? Mm. Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm going to try that too. And they can call me to account on that. I let them. I say, tell me. You tell mummy if you don't like the way I speak to you because that's not acceptable. Wow. Wow. Okay. So when you say we are those mirrors, that everything we do is showing them how to behave, doesn't that feel really, really heavy at times? And how do you deal with that that sense of responsibility? Especially because you are a single mum now and you aren't just at home in that bubble. There are so many balls to juggle. So if you feel that sense of I am the mirror and that I am here to show and role model this, how do you not feel completely overwhelmed by that at times? I get it wrong all the time. I just have to keep reminding myself and we all do. And, you know, I always say this too with being the author of a book called Mother's End bears a huge weight because people Mm. think that I'm saying I'm that. I'm not. I'm saying I'm searching for that. So I'm with all of your listeners here searching for this stuff. So I talk from that place and I get it wrong all the time, but it's just that I love the way Buddhism for Mothers, Sarah Napthali, always says it's it's the pause. You just If you can just remember to pause, and I forget all the time, but when there's a moment happening, one of those moments, one of those turning point moments, pause before you respond and then dive in. And so I'm finding that I'm really growing as a person all the time and learning all the time about myself while I'm in this process because if in bearing in mind that they're watching me, I have to step up and especially because I'm doing it mostly on my own. And so I've got to watch myself and I've got to remember, hang on, I wasn't very kind there or I did raise my voice there. Sometimes we have to and it's going to happen and we have our meltdowns and then later we can correct that. Mm. Yeah, so it's making me be very conscious as a person mm. and as a mother and I don't have a choice because if we're not that, then our children are going to fall off the rails in some way, even if it's just in their feeling mm. not heard or not mm. not cared for. And I know that you're really committed to learning about how best to parent, that um, you have a great passion and commitment to 
training and educating yourself on how their brain works and how your brain works and really showing up for that part of parenting as well. Yeah, very much so. That's where that's the beauty where we get to learn as well. Like I say, I just don't think we, we have a choice. We've got to get this right because our generation's very different, isn't it, to our parents and people say, oh, our parents didn't do any of that. They were so laissez-faire and we were just told, make sure you're back by dinner time. That's all great. That's all great. But I'm sure a lot of us wish that there was more. And as great a parent a job as our parents did, we would say, actually, I wouldn't have minded a bit more. I, I just want to take on that, adopt that idea of be the parent you want in that moment. It's a really powerful idea when your child is acting out or if they, even if they're sad or they need something or um, you think, hang on, if I was them, what would I want my mother to do right now? Mm. And when I remember to do that, because I don't always remember, the answers come. And uh, I find that I react very differently to them in that place. So it means it's quite counterintuitive because I think, I don't know if it's just a thing we do in the West, but intuitively we think, and we're trained like this too, aren't we, to uh, to punish our children and to reprimand them and to take away their iPads and to and to have consequences. Consequences is a big word and I use it all the time myself with the children. But actually... What I'm learning more is is when the when the kids are mucking up, let's call it that, um, they're just going through stuff. Their emotions are bigger than them, and they don't know what to do with it. They're not. Mani- I hate it when children say children are manipulative. They're not manipulative. They just want love. They want care. They want attention. They want to know they're being heard, and they're trying to learn. That's all they're doing. And so, if we can in that moment, and I don't always do this but when I do you get great results if in that moment when they're pushing our buttons we can pause there's that pause and actually do something left of field and say I'm here for you Mm. what's going on you know they're they're hitting their brother Mm. go to the one who's doing the hitting Mm. not the one who's been hit just check they're okay Mm. first (laughs) and then go to the one who's doing the hitting give them a hug Mm. what is it Mm. because children don't want to be that person. They don't want to hurt other people. Mm. Every child is born good, mm-hmm. and they're born with love. So if they're doing doing uh, things or saying things that are hurtful to others or they're, hurt, they're hurting themselves, and so it's our responsibility, I believe that, to heal them. That's what If we're not here for that, what are we here for? Exactly. That's our role. I remember a child psychologist telling me once about our eldest child who has enormous big emotions and and everything right from when she was a very little toddler, said, and this has never left me, Amy, her anger scares her more than it scares you. And that little sentence was this mantra that has stuck in my head for all these years. Her emotions are scaring her more than they are me right now. And so how can I help her with that? But as you said, it takes that pause and it takes that moment of awareness and we can't always get there. But it's a practice that we have to keep doing. And I know meditation has been a big part in your life, especially as a mama. How do you think that helps you in those moments to remember to pause, to ask yourself those questions, to consciously choose your behavior as much as you can? Meditation is my survival. I learned to meditate when I was pregnant with my oldest, so it's been seven and a half years now, and I meditate twice a day. I do Vedic meditation. Everyone's got their thing, but I highly recommend it. And people say, I don't have time for that. Yes, you can find 20 minutes. You can. 20 minutes passes when we're stuffing around. Mm -hmm. You can always find that time. I did it when I had young babies. I do it now. And it 
is what saves me. I know that. It's it's what helps me to be present and it gives me that space so I don't always get it right and I mm. lose my temper and I, I do yell, unfortunately. I wish I could say I was saintly, but I do. Yell. <laughs> and I've, I've done things I'm ashamed of and I've done things I wish my children hadn't seen. But if I didn't meditate, I'd hate to see yes. what happened. But, but to the point where my children will say to me quite often, Mummy, why haven't you meditated today? Go and meditate because <laughs> they can see when I'm – and I might say to them if I'm being particularly cranky one day, boys, I'm really sorry. I just haven't had a chance to meditate today. Mm. So if you just give me 20 minutes and I'll come back mm. and I know that it's my thing. Other people walking in nature, mm, surfing. Going for a run, whatever. Whatever it is for you, mind you, I am the biggest rap for meditation. I just think yoga lessons too. It just yes. solves everything. Um, no, it doesn't solve everything. That's not true. It gives you that extra mm. bit of uh, leeway and gives you that room to, uh, to to do the pause and to be conscious. It gives you that room to do it. I'm finding really amazing results, for want of a better word, because it sounds like they're a science experiment. But with my children, particularly my oldest, who you know, they do act out, don't they, and they're testing you. And you were saying about the the big emotions. I'm finding that when I sit with them in whatever they're going through, and it can be really hard because sometimes they're lashing out at us. Mine often do that. But when we sit with that, don't take it personally and just be there with them. And I've actually said the words to my oldest, I've got this. I know this is really big and I know you're feeling really angry right now, but I've, I can handle it. So mm. I can handle your emotions and I will hold him. Mm. And sometimes I've had to get him in a lock and just hold him there. And I say to him, your emotions are going to change. Because I've told my boys that anger is sadness. Because that's what it is. Anger is repressed sadness. That's all it is. And, uh, and all of our children get angry. They're just sad. Mm. And they don't know how to say it. Or frustrated or confused or something along those lines. So child psychologist has given me this. And I highly recommend child psychology for any child. It doesn't have to be that there's particular issues. And she told me about this to sit with them, make sure you've got skin on them because that's the oxytocin. And so I put, no matter if they're running away from you, just put your hands on them somehow, get your skin on them. And because my boy's older now, I have to pull him into into a lock and he's fighting me and he's kicking and he's trying to hit me actually. And he's, he's forcing his way away and I'm pulling him back. I've got my legs wrapped around his legs. I'm holding him there in those moments that many parents listening would recognize. And part of me is saying, this isn't working. I should just say, do you know what? I'm taking your iPad, go to your room. Mm. But I think, no, I'm going to try. I'm just going to try this. And I've done this a few times. Held him there. I'm here for you. I know you're feeling really angry, but it's actually that you're sad. And your body is really, really angry. I can see that. But it's going to shift if you just let me stay with you. This goes on for ages. And I think this isn't working. Suddenly, this has happened a few times. He says, mommy, his voice changes. I'm feeling sad now. Wow. And I can feel his whole body makes me emotional. Me too. His whole body uh, changes and he's limper. And, he, and, I, and then we can deal with it. So what are you sad about? And then he can tell me what he's sad about. So we can deal with that. Then later, much later, you can correct the behavior. Mm. But they're not going to hear you in that place. No. They don't hear you. There's no point even trying. No. Later, I can say to him whether it's that night or you sort of recognize when it is. It might be the next day. It might be two days later. You know when you spoke to me like that and you swore at me and you yelled at me and you hit me. That's not acceptable. If you're feeling angry or sad, you just come to me and say, I'm feeling angry and sad. And I might even then say, and so you're not going to have the iPad for the rest of the day because of the way you spoke to me. So you can still dish out those mm. 
that but not in the moment. Yes. It's not going to do anything. All it's going to make them do is think even more, she doesn't get me. Yeah. Worse, she doesn't love me. She doesn't want me. Yes. My boys have said to me, shall I just add, Jasper, the oldest, has said to me before, Mummy, sometimes I wonder why you had us. You don't seem to want us. Now, oh, oh. doesn't that get to your heart? Someone might say, how manipulative? No. What he's reaching out with that is, what he's saying there is reaching out and saying, the way you're always angry at us, I don't know why you bothered. So mm. that is a it's wake an opportunity, up call. isn't it? Yeah, it's an opportunity to communicate differently, to take that moment. See, this is the thing, and you and I spoke about this before we hit record, which is when they switch into that reptilian brain, they will say things and do things that aren't their real self. They'll come from fear and that part of their brain. But the key is, is that what happens is often when they switch into that mode, so do we. We then also let those thoughts rule our mind. Um, we also, when we're holding them and trying to comfort them, that voice in our head says it doesn't work. I'll just send them. You know, we have to be really aware of what's happening within our own brain and our own emotions in those moments, don't we? Absolutely. And and that's where the choice comes in. Yes. And you, but you have to be, that's where the meditation helps because you have right. to have that space to be able to choose. Otherwise, you are in fight flight mode, mm-hmm. like your child, mm-hmm. and the whole thing escalates, especially as a single parent, too. There's no one else to dissipate it. Mm. So we've had those moments where the house is awful yeah. and we're all yelling at each other. And yes. then, but you said this, well, you said this, and don't speak to one of that. And it, it doesn't get you anywhere. And that's what I have to remind myself that's not working. Mm-mm. So we have to try something else. And if I want to model to them how to manage their own emotions, I have to show them that's the thing. If we're yelling, they're learning, oh, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I yell because that's what she's doing. Yes. So if we can actually pull ourselves and say, do you know what? I'm actually feeling really angry right now and I'm really hurt the way you're talking to me. But you're not yelling. You're saying it calmly. You're showing them that that's what you do. And you get those beautiful moments. You get the payoffs where they do mirror that back to you and you think, oh, that worked. Yes. Where they'll come to you and instead of throwing the toy, they'll say, mommy, I'm actually really angry that this has happened. And that's yes. (laughs) Because there's nothing wrong with the anger. That's what I always say to them. Anger's fine. You can feel anger, but just don't hurt anybody and don't insult anybody and don't mm. um, not be your true self. Mm. I've had moments with my boys where I've, I try and remember these things, and it often is at bedtime, isn't it, when you're really connecting with them, and I'll say to them, remember who you are. So remember your truth. They may not understand that yet, but I hope but it, it's, it sinks it's, in. It's been planted. Exactly. I, I'm the same. I say the same thing to my to my girls mostly at the moment as they fall asleep, which is, I love you just the way you are, because it's the one message I wish I'd heard growing up, that you don't need to change, you don't need to get better grades, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. I love you just the way you are. And when I say it after we've had a bad night or a bad day, you can see on my eldest face, really? Really? You know, and it makes me emotional when I say that because they are the moments where I want her to know, yeah, I still love you, even though you were horrible to me an hour ago when I asked you to get into bed or whatever it was. That's what we want them to remember. And when you were talking about how you want to help your boys through those big emotions, all I kept thinking about listening to you was every human being on the planet needs that same approach. When when I'm in the flight of those really big emotions, if only someone could come over and hug me and say, I've got this, I can hold this for you, lean on me. This is what we all just need. 
really on all levels. And imagine if we could do this for the next generation where they've got these skills. I know, and I always think about as parents where we think we have some right to yell at our kids, hit them even, be rude to them, take things away from them. If we have a friend, if we see another adult that's upset, do you think we're going to turn around and say, oh, get over it. If you don't (laughs) stop crying, I'm going to take away your iPad. Or your glass of wine. (laughs) Exactly. I was trying to think of a good analogy. But it is ridiculous when you put it like that. And why don't we frame it like that? Our children deserve our respect. Mm. And then they'll mirror it back to us. And we we think we're the boss. And uh, yes, they need that role model. We're the boss in that way. But they are deserving beings and they don't deserve to be spoken to like that. And if I lose it with them, which I do many times, as I say, don't Mm. get me wrong on that. I will then say you did not deserve to be spoken to like that Mm. and mummy should not have spoken to you like that before and it's not okay. Mm. And so then they will (laughs) throw that back at me another time. But what I wanted to also point out on that reptilian brain thing, I'm learning about all of this uh, myself and reading lots about it, is that, and a lot of your listeners would know this, but the frontal lobe of the child's brain is not even formed until they're about 22 years old. So we're not, you can't try and be rational with them. So when a child is acting out, we call it, or trying to express their emotions is what it is, how ridiculous for us to sit there trying to. Now, when you did this and trying to reason with them, they're not hearing that. They're just in reptile brain, fight flight mode. They're, they're panicking. And so we can't get through to them. The only way to reach them is to reach their heart space. It's the actually the only way. And we're not taught this stuff, which is why we have to go and do our research and yes. why podcasts like this matter. But there's a wonderful book. I know there are so many out there, but the one I'm reading at the moment is called it's The Whole Brain Child and another one called uh, No Drama Discipline. They're the names. You could Google those. And those books, which the child psychologist recommended to me, are so helpful because mm-hmm. they are literally the science behind there are pictures of the brain in there, but nice and simple. This is where their brains are at. So there's no point appealing to the reasoning side. They're and not they're hearing not naughty. You. This is the thing that no. I think we were brought up by a generation who believed that bad behaviour could be something that could be controlled or disciplined or um, managed. And what I love about parenting in this day and age is that we're learning that it's not a bad thing or it's not something that needs to be changed or squashed. It's an understanding of the developmental process. And if your kid's lashing out, it doesn't mean they're a bad kid. You know, there's generations of people who believed that they were bad because of things that they couldn't control yet. And that just breaks my heart. And if we can do that differently... The world is going to be such a different place. Absolutely. That's not even a broad statement. I agree. If every child could just feel worthy and just feel like they they belong and they're heard, imagine what a difference that would make. I just always say that to my children. I say, you deserve love. You have a right to be here no matter what's going on in the day. I try Mm. and come back to that. And it's that knowing when they're doing something, even if it, I'm really proud of myself that so far, touch wood, I've not used the word naughty. Mm. on my children and Mm. many other people would. Mm. They're pretty full on, my boys. (laughs) But I won't use that word because I know they're not naughty. They Mm. need me. They've been through a lot Mm. and they actually just need me to step in and and I've got to be the one to do it because it's only me. And so I I was going to say that, yeah, so for example, the other day my oldest was hitting out at the youngest one 
at his brother and he was hitting him and hurting him. And so I, I wanted to punish him and uh, and I thought, no, I'm going to try this other stuff. So it's all about that remembering. I'm going to mm. try something else. And so I sat with him and said, what is it? What's going on for you? Nothing, nothing. You get all that. You've got to ride through that bit, by the mm. way. Just keep pushing through that. And I'm holding him and saying, no, I know something's wrong. You wouldn't be hurting him otherwise. And then finally he reveals that he feels left out because he said, you spent more time with him saying goodnight than you did to me. And so I said to him, I thought, I think he's old enough for this now. So I said, I know how you feel. I felt like that as a child. What do you mean? I said, well, you know, I'm one of six children. And so there were times when I felt left out. It's just my poor mother as if she could possibly Mm. give us all attention all the time. So you have moments like that. So I related back a time when I felt like that. And he he went from, now I'm going to get teary, he went from that place where he was hitting his brother and lashing out, yelling, very angry. He almost frightens me. Two, when I shared this with him and connected with him, he sat up, he hugged me and he said, oh, mummy, how could anybody do that to you? You're, you he said, you're 10 out of nine. <laughs> oh, how divine. And then I burst into tears yeah. and he was comforting me and saying, you're awesome. You're the most awesome mummy and I'm so lucky to have you. So he shifted out of his stuff because he saw a common ground yeah. and he was pleased that I shared that. Now, there's, there's, they're too young to hear that stuff at some stage, but I just thought about it and went, oh, I think he's ready to hear this now. And what he showed there was this empathy that he's starting to learn. And that's, you know, that when I think about my kids, I just want them to have kindness towards others and be able to empathise with others and have compassion. And that's what he could find in those moments, which is like, you know, huge tick on the parenting report there. That's an amazing moment. It was beautiful, actually. And empathy is what I aim for most. If someone said, what do you want from your children? It's just that empathy card. We also want our children to be happy, yes, but kindness and empathy and thinking of others and themselves. Teach them Mm -hmm. to love themselves as well. That's a whole other subject. But with with that empathy, they're only going to get that if they see us do it. Mm -hmm. So if we're constantly reprimanding them, punishing them, telling them they're wrong, they might. But the other thing we have to make clear here is that works, by the way. They will behave. You see those incredibly well-behaved children, and mine are not in that category. (laughs) I wish they were. But those children are often a bit frightened. It doesn't mean their parents aren't wonderful and love them to death, but they might be behaving because of fear. So what I want them to do is I want mine to behave because they want to. Yes. So it's a longer journey and oh. it means that I'm dealing with <laughs> it's <Crap>. harder now, <laughs> but uh, they're more challenging now with their behavior. But I'm hoping that it's a it's a long game. Oh, and I, I love want, that approach. I want, I want them to learn if they, they're not going to get empathy from me yelling at them and punishing them all the time. They're going to get empathy when I show empathy for their feelings, even if they're doing the wrong thing, in inverted commas. Mm. I've got to show empathy in that moment. Yes, and I agree. It is the long game. You might be struggling with where you are now, but think about the type of adult that you want to have here and and keep that front of mind. I love that. Mm. Yeah, well, well, we won't know. We'll get back to that on twenty in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We? You and I will be having a podcast chat back then. You're listening to the Happy Mama Movement. At the core of it, the Happy Mama Movement is all about one simple idea, that mamahood can be the greatest catalyst for change in a busy woman's life. So now for the big three questions. 
what do you think motherhood has taught you about yourself? Well, as we've discussed so much, but how to be present Mm. and how it's also about my own self-worth because I'm so needed and it's, it's all falling to me to get this right and it's taught me patience. Still, well, it's not taught me, is teaching me. <laughs> and self-love because I'm trying to pass it on to my boys. Mm. If they don't love themselves, then we've got nowhere to go. So I came into a, when I had my babies, I wouldn't have been in that place, I would say. So more and more I'm getting, I've really got to be happy with myself and love myself or I'm not going to have anything to give them. Beautiful. So I'm getting better at that. So, therefore, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before you started this mammalhood journey, what would it be? It would be that I've got this, I can do this, Mm. which makes me teary. And I mentioned at the start that I put off motherhood for so long because I didn't think I was up for it. And I now see that (laughs) I'm pausing because I think some days I wonder if I am. But on the whole, I, I think I am cut out for this. Wow. What a powerful realisation, though. Mm. I would have had four more if I'd known that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so finally, what does being a happy mama mean to you? It's self-care, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's it's knowing that you're having an impact, a positive impact on your children. There's all that stuff around having time to yourself and so on. But a lot of mothers don't get that luxury. And I'm only just getting that now after seven years with my youngest at school as well. Um, So that's not always possible. But being a happy mum is looking at the children and seeing happiness in them because they can't have that unless you're passing that on. Mm. Oh, that's such a good insight. Yes, they can't have that connection, happiness, joy, compassion unless you're teaching them that. Wow. So so we see ourselves reflected back in them, don't Mm. we? And so if we if our children are showing love and empathy and kindness and all of those things, it's come from you. So you wow. deserve the credit for that. I do love it when mothers will say to each other, well done, because mm. you could say, well, that's just them. It's not. No. No. It's, it's well done to you if mm. your child is showing those those traits and not through hardcore discipline, but through learning and watching mm. you. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming in. That's a pleasure. Amazing chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. I truly believe that great things happen when we come together to support and uplift each other. So to help spread the word and build the movement, I'd love it if you could pop over and leave a review. And if you have a mama friend who'd also love this insight, please share with her. Until next time, beautiful mama. Satnam. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.